Hi, I'm Melissa. Hi, I'm Kara, and you're listening to Cultivated Conversations. A space where we talk about life, family, work, where we're getting it right, and where we're getting it wrong. And what it means to live and purchase ethically in a fast-moving world. Grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine, pull a seat up at the table, and know that wherever you are on your journey, you belong, and we are so glad you've joined us. Well, welcome back to the podcast. This is Kara, one of your podcast hosts for Cultivated Conversations. And today on the show, I'm actually going to be interviewing Melissa, our other co-host. I know. I'm so excited about this. I am ready. My kids are resting and everybody is down for the count. So I'm excited to chat with you this afternoon. This is like 100% mom life podcast happening right now. Yes, I, I'm a little nervous. My daughter is on the couch sleeping. Which is how in, far away from you? Uh, like six feet. <laughs> in the so, same room. <laughs> don't make me laugh too hard. Okay. If I'll I'm trying to stifle best. my laugh, you'll know why. <laughs> well, I can laugh, but there's also a chance that somebody's going to call me needing help at some point in the next few minutes. But either way, we're going to jump into this topic and it's going to be good. Yeah. Well, just, you know, if you have to leave and go take care of one of your kids, we're just going to insert one of our commercials from one of our non-existent sponsors. Yes, I love that. Hey, (laughs) if you want to sponsor us here at Cultivated Conversations, just let us know. We'll be excited to hear from you. We take ourselves really seriously. That's right. (laughs) Okay, well, we're going to talk to you about travel because of... Really, of all of my friends, I think you are so great at bringing your kids along in travel. And so as we're talking about family adventure, just want to, we've talked about local, some things to do in your hometown, but now we're going to jump all the way over to the other side of the world. Before we get into those topics, you love travel. I love travel. We connect over this all the time, but tell me, how did that, how did you build this love for travel? And seeing the world. Because you're fixing to leave. As we're talking yes, today, you're right. leaving in two days for... I am for Peru. So I was born overseas. I was born in Mombasa, Kenya. And um, that is where I was raised. It was in Kenya. And uh, my family still lives there. Most of my family is still there. I have aunts and uncles and my parents and nephew and niece and brother-in-laws and sisters. And um, so Kenya is really home. My grandparents moved there when my dad was 14. So my parents met there. So Kenya is home and is the home of my heart in, in a very interesting way that coming to America was the big travel, right? Like coming to the United States was the huge deal when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. But the very first time I traveled without parents internationally, I was eight years old. So I was eight. Oh, stop there again. Yeah. At eight years old, you traveled internationally without your parents. That's right. I was eight and my sister was 10 and we flew from the United States to Kenya by ourselves. Now, how old is your oldest daughter right now? She's seven. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's like a year from now. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So, and there's a whole thing. Like, it's not just like you like give kids a ticket and are like, good luck. Right. Just in case people are thinking that that's how international travel happens with minors. It doesn't. It's actually a really um, safe thing to do for your kids who are minors because they will be walked from one place to another and there's like a whole system that's set up. Anyway, so we weren't just like 
palling around, you know, doing our own yeah. thing, <laughs> trying to like, you know, but still, you know, we yeah. were, we were soloing it. Um, and I have some very funny stories about that, but I mean, that's the first time I ever flew alone. And I, of course, have really vivid memories of it. And then I, I, you know, I should have counted before, um, the podcast started, but since I was a kid, really since I was probably about 17, well, maybe about 15, I've been to over 25 countries. Wow. And a lot of that is due to family, right? Because my family lives yeah. overseas. My husband's family lives in Vietnam. Um, and so for both of us, we have international connections. So that makes mm-hmm. it easy to go. Um, we also have deep international just friendships, right? And so there's always people to go see and things to do. But I think I just, you know, grew up, it wasn't even growing up falling in love with travel. It was growing up thinking that travel was normal. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That this is like, this was a normal part of life was that you traveled, that you, you know, and not just like a bus ride, which of course that too, but there was local travel and then there was international travel. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't even remember my first plane ride and I've had a passport since I was a baby, you know? So I think that's probably where it comes from. It's just Mm -hmm. that grow those growing up years and kind of assuming this is what we do. Right. Yeah. But I'll have to say that I think, you know, there's lots of people who maybe grow up that way, but then you kind of have to fight for it a little bit more as you get older. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I did not grow up that way. My um, first time I rode an airplane, I was like a senior in high school, I think, and from Tulsa to Dallas, huge, huge flight. And then the first time I had my passport was college. But what you were mentioning your husband, and that's the thing I've really, sometimes when I talk to people about how much we love travel, I talk a lot about how Josh and I discovered a love for travel before we met. Mm. So when we travel international, it's just what we do. Yeah. We didn't. And so my heart kind of goes out to men and women who they didn't figure that out before they got married. Right. And so if one of them has a heart for travel, but the other one doesn't, or they're scared to send one of them overseas by themselves, you know, and I mean, Josh could tell me he wants to go, I don't know, imagine a scary place. And, or what we think is, yes. and I wouldn't even think twice about it. I'd right. be like, now given there are a few places, right. I'd be like, okay, let's, let's really think through this. Right. Let's at least, you know, check out a few things first. And, and that's, that's definitely a huge part of it. I think care that you touch on is that for people who are learning to travel, travel can seem very fear inducing, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And the places outside of your comfort zone which is primarily going to be like North America for people who are raised here probably, or maybe Western Europe. Right. Places outside of your comfort zone tend to feel scary. And the world right now, I think especially, feels like a really scary place. But the world is mostly not a scary place. Right. And this is the big challenge, I think, with being... With being informed about the world primarily from the news versus being informed about the world primarily from friendships and experience. 
Yes. It gives you two very different outlooks, you know? So recently my family this spring traveled to Myanmar. And if you follow the news, there's massive upheaval in Northern Myanmar with the Rohingya people. And, um, you know, there's clashing and fighting and it's like this, it's a, it's a challenging. And so traveling to Myanmar might sound scary to people. But we were going to the capital, which is in the deep south, and there is like zero upheaval there, number one. And number two, even if there was upheaval, it's in a different part of town. You know, so often I think the challenge is that we make the world really small. So you hear that there's trouble in Myanmar, and you don't think of Myanmar as a place as big as, let's say, Texas. Right. And like we're going to Houston and the trouble is in Amarillo. (laughs) Right. Right. And so like we're going to Houston and I'm not like we're not planning on going to Amarillo. We're not even going to be near Amarillo. We're going to be long way from Amarillo. We're going to be in Houston. We're not not going to Houston because there's trouble in Amarillo. So I think that's part of the challenge, too, is that we hear the news and they're like, this is happening in Myanmar. And Myanmar becomes this one generic place and we can't imagine anything else happening when really all of these countries are really big that whole like news versus reality and friendship makes a huge difference on how you see world travel and this is why I travel with my kids people ask me all the time like oh aren't you afraid to take your children and there I'm like you there's very very few places I would be afraid to take my children honestly yeah especially when you know people on the ground and yeah. Yeah. Makes, it makes all the difference in the world. So that's my philosophical underpinnings on traveling, traveling <laughs> yeah. with my family. <laughs> and this is very normal for your kids now. You have yeah, three daughters. I do. So we have three little girls and they are seven, five, and three. And when we, so we went to Southeast Asia this spring with those, those girls. And my seven-year-old, I think it was her fourth or fifth international trip. And so, yeah, it's just kind of life as normal. Again, all of them got passports when they were, one of them got a passport, I think like three days after she was born, we were in the (laughs) passport control because we were traveling. My sister was getting married when she was four months old. And so we wanted to make sure, you know, obviously we got our passport in time. So we were, you know, in there and I'm sitting in the, you know, in the picture booth and they've got a blanket on me and I'm like, I have my hand where the blanket is holding her neck up, you know? Yes. I saw someone on Instagram just posted a picture like this and I lost it laughing. It was hilarious. And my favorite thing is, you know, they're trying to get her to open her eyes. I mean, she's literally like a week old. And I'm laughing because I'm like, she's going to have this passport for five years. Like as if they're really going to use it to try and recognize her. Right. Yeah. Her baby eyes are blue because every, you know, yes. white baby is going to be born with blue eyes. And anyway, I just was so amused by this deal. But anyway, we did it. We got her passport. So, yeah, it's yeah. definitely my kids get normalized to it and to the place where they're like, so when are we going on our next airplane trip? Like this isn't like massive. It doesn't take any massive planning or like rearranging of our life or anything. Like we're just going to go pop on a plane. So I want to come back to this, but I'm going to ask you later just some tips on for women and families that did not grow up overseas, Mm -hmm. don't necessarily have a family tradition or... Right. Or a lot of maybe experience, like a lot of travel experience to pull from. 
some so how to just even prep and tell me some before we jump into because you have a whole strategy oh yeah for your family yeah but I know some of our listeners are thinking oh there's this obstacle and that one and this one and that one so let's just throw them out there what are some obstacles you see for your family for other families to take their kids around the world yeah it's a great question obviously the first one we've chatted about and so I won't get into a ton but I think honestly the first one's fear yeah I think a lot of times fear is at the root of some of the decisions we make and we don't even know it till we stop and think about it so I think that's a big one yeah that's a huge one and I want to jump in just to like we're in Tulsa and the University of Tulsa is just a couple of miles from both of us I mean for yeah. me it's like a couple of blocks it is over it's like between 20 and 30 percent international students mm-hmm. so if you're thinking about travel like, look in your hometown first. Like, who right. in your hometown could you befriend? So then you're thinking about traveling to China, and it's not this huge country. It's your friend's hometown. Right. Or, yeah. you know, like, just start. I mean, you can start local. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think fear is a big one. And I think, I do think another one is connection, right? I think if you don't have international connections, the world just feels like this ginormous mm-hmm. place. Like, what are we going to do? We're just going to pull a name out of a hat? I So I think that there's a couple of ways to overcome that obstacle. You know, the first is like you're saying, I think you can develop friendships with international people in your hometown. Um, And that's a great way to help normalize a culture, um, give it a personality and Mm -hmm. and make it about people, right? Versus just this huge thing. But I also think that you can also follow your interests, right? So I would say that for first time travelers or people who don't have a depth of travel experience where they're like gonna take their kids to Myanmar, right? that there are places around the world that are so much easier experientially to jump into for first-time travelers. You know, Western Europe, Australia, New Zealand, um, even Canada is not the same culture as us, right? right? You know, um, there's places in Mexico or the islands that are pretty close to us, you know? And there are places that I think kind of make for great midways great like first first jump out out the boat and so I would say the challenge too is I think you know a lot of people put international travel in terms of and this is I think one of the mental hurdles they put international travel into the bucket of service and so this is one of the big reasons. Now you talk about waving your hanky. Now I'm, I'm like, <laughs> come on, girl. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. And this is one of the big reasons why people don't think about traveling with their kids. Mm-hmm. Because they think about it in terms of service trips. And of course, five-year-olds can't go on service trips. This is not realistic. You can't take your kid to go help you do a service project somewhere, right? Because you're going to be babysitting your five-year-old the whole time. <laughs> But the challenge with the only international travel you do being service trips is that it gives you a really skewed perspective of of the world outside the United States. Um, When all you're doing with people of different culture is seeing them in their most vulnerable and challenging situations, then you begin to equate international travel with vulnerable and challenging situations. 
And not um, celebrating the culture and building right. strong friendships. And, yes, oh, exactly. Yes. There's so much that gets put into this really weird experience in terms of normalization when everything you've done is service trips. And, and I have mixed feelings about service trips, period. But I think particularly when they're the only international experience somebody's mm-hmm. And so my challenge is to begin to think about the world outside and traveling with your kids outside of this idea of service trips. Oh my gosh, um, yeah. So I think that's a hurdle. Huge hurdle. And I met someone on the plane. We were going to India. You know, one of our, you can't go anywhere from Tulsa. You got to go somewhere else to go anywhere right. in the world yes. from here. Right. So it's one of our U.S. flights. And I was sitting next to this gentleman and they were headed somewhere on a big trip. And it, it's a, gosh, I can't, I wish I could remember where he was going because he talked about because the refugee crisis has really hit this area, people have stopped going there mm. on trips and tourism. Yeah. And that's right. a, that's how they make their money. And so he and his wife were going on this huge trip as tourists. I love it. Because they knew people were scared to go there because of the right whatever scary the refugees. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yep. So, and I just was sitting next to this gentleman and I was like, Right on, man. You go, like, spend your money. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. So, and I think, you know, the the awesome thing, too, about taking international trips outside of service trips is it will allow you the opportunity to actually get to know people as friends versus um, as kind of that us and them that naturally occurs when service trips are happening. That's really a really hard hurdle to overcome. It's not impossible. You really have to fight for it. Yeah. And you've got to, you've got to be like Olympic, you know, Olympic level. What is it called? High bar jump to be able (laughs) to get over that hurdle in a service trip, you know, Mm -hmm. um, especially if you're going lots of people, it's a whole other podcast. It is. Okay. We got to talk about that one day. That's right. So, (laughs) but I'm talking about hurdles to international travel. So another hurdle I think is finances that, and this is so real. And I think a lot of times, um, we have to recognize that international travel is a, is it really belongs to the privileged, right? And that's just real. And there's no way around that because, tickets are expensive and all of it it's expensive it's this is not a cheap thing to do and there's all sorts of crafty ways to save money but you're still talking about thousands of dollars yeah and so I think it's automatically you have to recognize that this is a privilege however this is possible and for us it's possible in a couple of ways first of all my husband picks up extra work in order to um, for us to save money Mm-hmm. to do these trips second we live way below our means in order for us to save to do these trips yeah we make all sorts of other sacrifices and decisions because for us family travel is the priority i mean it is it is one of the top priorities of our family um, mm-hmm. we try and get out of the country every 18 months to two years for an extended period of time you know we're never gone less than three weeks if we can do a month or five weeks, that's great. So one of the, th- the choices we've made is actually to homeschool our kids. The reason we homeschool our kids is not because we're awesome homeschool people. I am not an awesome <laughs> homeschool mom. <laughs> we're not like in love with homeschooling as a educational tool. I mean, I like it. 
I've learned to even yeah. love it more. But we didn't choose to homeschool because we have this deep belief in homeschooling. We chose to homeschool because we want to travel with our kids. And the cheapest time to travel is in the spring. Yes. And mm-hmm. so we need the freedom to be able to pick up and go in February for a month. Now, not everybody can homeschool, but it is the reason we made that decision. Yeah. And not everybody, it's not a great fit for everybody. You can travel in the summer. That's, you can do it. It's just more expensive and it's going to take more work. Yeah. Um, But I think that, you know, my husband picks up extra shifts. We live below our means and we save for our big trips every 18 months to two years. You know, Mm -hmm. we do travel a lot. Um, and we take solo trips too, right? I leave for Peru in a couple of days. Um, my husband's taking trips to Guatemala and, you know, he, we have like our solo trips we'll do occasionally, but it's not like we're taking our kids every six months or, yeah. you know, it takes a while to save back up again for that next trip. And we hope to take them, um, to back home to Kenya next year. And, uh, I'm already looking at ticket prices right now, Mm -hmm. right? You know, I mean, we're, we're probably a year or so out and I'm already like, okay, when, like if I buy tickets right now, you know, how cheap could I get them? And, and I do things like, okay, you know, one of the big tricks we do is we have found the cheapest international place to fly out of that is within driving distance of us, which is Mm -hmm. Houston. Houston is probably the cheapest that I have found even more than DFW. Houston is cheaper tickets and so we've got it down to a science we will drive down to Houston spend a night in a hotel fly out the next day you know and it still saves us money than trying to do a direct from Tulsa you know Tulsa to Houston flight right so finances I think is a big one and then of course time making the time to do it right and that takes and again everybody's different and this is where work is really different my husband has the ability to shift his work around to get off three weeks at a mm-hmm. time. That's yeah. really unusual. Um, yeah. And I recognize that. And so this is, I think, too, why some of these other places that are maybe closer, right? Let's talk about Dominican Republic. Let's talk about, you know, some of these countries that are way closer and easier to pop into mm-hmm. and yet would still give you a really great experience. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you could just do for like 10 days or something like yeah. that. So. Yeah, I think those are some of the hurdles that immediately come to mind. One of the things that we do is um, places that we want to go, we kind of were always floating ideas. I mean, to the point when Josh and I were dating, do you know how many times, I knew pretty early on that I was going to marry him. Do you know how many times I said, oh, my dream is to go to the Greek islands? <laughs> I would just say it over and over again. And then when we got engaged, he was like, you know where I was thinking that we could go on our honeymoon? And I was like, oh, I can't imagine where. <laughs> He's nice. like, we should go to the Greek islands. I, was like, I prepped you for that one <laughs> a year ago. <laughs> um, but we will, um, like Travelocity and some of those websites, we have it set up that they will email us like the best deals, like That's on right. a regular basis. And I you get, got a great one. Was it about a year ago? I want to go see some friends in the Middle East. So I've got Dubai on my list. Like nice. every week it sends me, yeah. like, you can go for 500 bucks if you go yeah. on this date. Yeah. So when I can go for 500 bucks round trip, I'm like, oh. Yeah. You're like, I'm, I'm down for that. Now tell me, so these obstacles, you've talked some, but the logistics of getting your kids on a plane. Yeah. And then you get to Vietnam or you get to Myanmar, you get to Thailand and we're like 12 hours off from our normal with a two-year-old. Right. This is not easy. Yeah. 
Tell us the tricks. Yeah. Well, okay, first of all, I just want to say it's complicated, number one. And number two, it really depends on your family. So these are the tricks that work for me and for my family and for our girls. Everybody is different, but I will give you my, what works for me. Right. So. And things they can try. Totally. Try some of these things. They work great if they don't. Check them out the window. Yes, exactly. Okay, well, I have traveled internationally with my kids and my husband all over the world. I've also traveled internationally with my children solo, which I never recommend to anybody. That's my number one recommendation. (laughs) Do not do this by yourself. Oh my gosh. Especially if your kids are like four or under, five or under. Oh man. Oh, I have horror stories. I have horror stories. That's the other thing, you guys. We travel internationally and we have horror stories. It just is <laughs> part of the deal. So part of it, the very first thing I say, I would say is you have to have your mental game plan, which is this. You have to tell yourself, even if this is the worst 36 hours of our life, we will get through it. Like seriously, you just have to prep yourself that it's yeah. going to be really hard to travel internationally with your kids. And you can do anything for 36 hours. You can. And you'll have good times and you'll have bad times. Like you'll, it, it's not going to be 36 hours of terribleness. It'll be 36 hours of like moments that are really hard. Yeah. And because you're exhausted and they're exhausted. Everybody's just exhausted. Yeah. But it really is a mental game if you can tell yourself like we're going to get it. We're going to do it. And we're then we're going to be on the other side and it's going to be so great. Right. So that's my first recommendation is just to have your mental like. So my second logistic recommendation is this. You have to recognize that travel time is not the time to really harp on all of your rules. Yes. Like screen time or snack time. Right. Or whatever. When we are traveling, it is all things are yes. We (laughs) go with snacks. Make it work. We go with games. We go with things they never get in real life iPad right like things that never happen in real life look if you have if my children watch like five or six or eight straight hours of television fine now granted we're still deciding it's going to be you know eight hours of wildcrat you know yeah I'm still going to decide the show like you're, you're not going to be seven watching like inception or something but yeah. <laughs> you still you know, we're going to decide what, but I think you have to recognize that travel time is not the time for you to try and keep your kids on a schedule. And it just doesn't work like that. If they're tired, try and like help them sleep. If they're hungry, find them food. By the way, international flights have snacks out all the time. This is a secret. Mm -hmm. Many people don't know in the little like kitchen area. They usually will have a little basket out with snacks or you can ask them, Hey, do you guys have something? Yeah. And they will be like, yes, here's this. And those flight attendants want to help the parents totally. so bad keep those kids contained and happy because yes. it's going to make their life easier. Yes. So that's one of my travel hacks is you just have to recognize that plane time and travel time is kind of free for all and whatever makes your kids happy. At the beginning, you have a little bit more leeway because they're not tired. Yeah. But once they're tired, whatever, whatever it takes. And you got to know too, like we're talking about how many hours your kids are in front of the TV. But then like the next two or three weeks when you're out, totally like they're barely going to get any TV. Exactly. It's, it's short term, short term, like finagling of the rules in order to have this long term benefit. Yeah. Um, And again, 
The older they get, the more they'll understand about why you're doing this and what's going on. They'll be able to have conversations with you. Really, it's when they're little. And I would say the hardest time to travel with kids is between the ages of about six months to two and a half. Yeah. Because they're big enough to want to be mobile or to want to do things, but they're too little to really understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even three and a half. <laughs> it's just hard. There's just no way around it. Okay, so that's my second, my second, let's just six. My third is, okay, this is one of my, I'm really passionate about this. If at all possible, fly international airlines out of the United States. I know that sounds crazy. but What if, do you mean by that? I mean, not American Airlines. Your flight experience with children will be 100 times different on an American airline versus a airline from any other nation than America with kids. So fly American Airlines or don't? No, do not. Well, American Airlines like the company, but I just mean companies. Like United, American Airlines, yeah. Delta, any of these. The level of service provided by American, by U.S. Airlines versus the level of service provided by airlines based out of other countries is night and day. You cannot even begin to compare them. And when you're talking about an eight-hour flight, it actually starts to matter. Yeah. So if you can find a way to not have to fly a U.S. airlines, usually you can do it like your outgoing flight's a lot easier than your inbound flight. Usually your inbound flight, the, the airline will have partnered with the U.S. airlines to do that. And you kind of can't avoid it. But... This is one of my other tricks. Find a flight out of the U.S. not on a U.S. airline. So we're talking like Emirates, totally. Ethiopian Air. Yes. I mean. Something with a different country in the yes, name. Yes. British Airways, KLM, China Air. You know, any of these are going to, the service that they're going to give you, the care they're going to give for your kids, it's just going to be a really different level. Also, international people who are not U.S. born are usually a lot more lenient when it comes to children Mm -hmm. Um, just in terms of not like kind of relaxing the truth is that the U.S. in general has kind of a a negative bias towards children children are in the way and they kind of make noise and they Mm -hmm. you know damper your life and you know and so there's just a different attitude so I really highly recommend that Okay, once you get in country, this is one of the things, again, with us traveling with littles. Again, this changes when they get older. My seven-year-old is so different. I'm talking about traveling with like five and under. We travel with all of the things. (laughs) And everybody, every family is different. There's a family I know that has five kids. And when they travel internationally, everybody brings like a backpack. And they go. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's not us. We travel. We bring our noise machine. We bring blackout curtains. We bring blow-up mattresses for each of our kids that they've slept in all over the world. So they're very used to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is because for my family, sleep is a priority. Yeah. Again, we have little, little kids. That family that of five that travels, their youngest is like five, right? Yeah. Um, my oldest was like six last time we traveled, right? So sleep is one of our main priorities. If we're not getting good sleep, nobody's happy. Nobody's right. enjoying themselves. You know, a two-year-old does not have the ability to get terrible nights of sleep and no naps and then like go all day and see cool stuff. They, they yeah. will hate you. Um, and so we bring all the things, you know, we bring room cart darkening curtains. We bring a noise machine. We bring all the stuff in order to set up life 
so that our kids can sleep well. And these are things you use at home. Yes, we use them at home and we use them whenever we travel anywhere. So even when we like go to my sisters for Thanksgiving, they're going to sleep in these same blow up air mattresses, right? So it's like, this is just what they're very used to in terms of travel and familiarity makes all the difference for kids when they're little. It just matters that things are familiar. Um, So if you're, so if one of our listeners is planning a trip in, in December but they've got oh, international, but they've got some trips in between just going to family here yeah. in Oklahoma or Texas. Right. Start now with some of these things. And right. By the time you get to December, you've got. Yes. You've got your stuff and they're familiar to your kids and that will make sleeping all the better. And then I think just be patient with your kids with new mm-hmm. stuff. That's my yeah. last logistic tip. The food will be new. The culture will be new your kids will say inappropriate things they will be rude about the food they Mm -hmm. will you know again we travel with my kids but they're not angels and you have to be willing to be patient with your kids especially when they're little with new scenarios right and so sure encourage them to try the crazy new food but also be willing to buy them a plate of french fries yes you know And you're just going to have to be willing to kind of be a little bit more lax, applaud them when they do something brave or when they try something new. Yes. And also realize they're little. They need familiarity um, Mm -hmm. in order to be able to be okay in the long term. So pack some snacks that you know will work for your kids. Bring some stuff that's familiar. Um, You want them to try new brave things, but you want them to know that the world is this wonderful place and you're going to be stressed and they're going to be stressed if you're just like, and so everybody's eating habits are changing to 100% Vietnamese food. Like, no, that's (laughs) not going to work. They are not going to be okay with that. So that's my logistic tips. Um, Yeah. One of the things we do, we have not traveled our kids have traveled international because they were born international. So right. we've brought them to the U.S., which is just entertaining. Um, but when we travel, the two of us, the first thing we do after we get settled in our hotel is go to the grocery store. Yeah. We're getting PB&J. We're getting... Right. Now, and we will try all the food everywhere yes. and love it. But if we need to come back to the hotel and eat yes. some familiar things, we've got it set there. Well, and I think this is another important thing to realize that 97% of the places you go are going to have American foods in their grocery Mm -hmm. stores. Yeah. Um, They may not be the right, the same brand, right? Right. The the thing you're used to brand wise, but you are going to be able to find familiar things, cereal, you know, um, stuff to make sandwiches and you're just going to be able to find those things. Yes. Right. Like you're going to be able to find fruit bananas you know Mm -hmm. um those kind of things in grocery stores and also depending on where you stay you know you do your research a lot of resorts have menus catered to american Mm -hmm. guests or expat guests so they're going to be more american british western european in influence they'll have you know spaghetti bolognese they'll have some things pizza you know they'll have things that feel more familiar um alongside of you know, Tom Ka or whatever the local you yeah. know, food is. So you're going to be able to eat all your fun things while you get to order 
you know, spaghetti for your kids. Um, And this is, again, where having friends in the international community is such a helpful thing. Right. But even most hotels that you stay at, they are going to cater to expats. They're going to cater to international travelers. Um, And so they're going to be able to give you some good advice on how to kind of go about that. Yeah. And that's the thing, too. Like, when I lived abroad... We backpacked through like small towns in Asia and the hotel, if I didn't know where the grocery store was, oh my gosh, they were so ready to like walk me to the grocery store or help me however they could. And I'd be in the middle of nowhere and they've got PB&J, you know, like it's very different world than it was 20 years ago. Yeah, it really is such a different world than it was 20 years ago. And I think remembering that it helps, you know, make you willing to like realize, hey, there's going to even even things like diapers, you know, like they've got them. You you can bring them and that's not a bad idea just because cost wise, they're probably going to be a little different. But again, you're going to be you would have to be remote in very remote places in order to not access the things that you need in a grocery store. So, oh my gosh, recognize that you're going to you're going to be able to get what you need. Yeah. We didn't even take diapers when we went to pick up our kids. Yeah. We got them there. That's we didn't right. take formula. We didn't yeah. take we didn't even take bottles. Yeah. We just ran it's to the grocery there. store. Exactly. You know, this is again the challenge with not having, you know, with basing our international pers- perspective off of the news. Um, which is going to primarily tell you about terrible things that are happening um, or basing it even off of service trips, in which case a lot of the times you're still, you're in the most vulnerable communities. And so you're not seeing what, you know, middle class um, looks like in the nation you're in, Right. you know? And so it gives, it just doesn't give you a very helpful perspective um, on what life is like and the resources and the things that are there and available to you. So, yeah. Okay. Now we've got all the tips and on our show notes, we're going to write out, I'm going to write out the tips for everyone. So you can just go and wait, what was that thing she said about, but I have traveled enough to know you have these really hilarious stories when you travel Yeah. and in the moment you're like, this is terrible. They're They're not hilarious. They're only hilarious as memories. Yeah. Tell us a story make us laugh and I'm gonna do a hush laugh because the baby's sleepy yeah well probably one of the hardest times I've traveled just in terms of like oh my gosh was when I traveled solo with my six-month-old and two-year-old so I had a six-month-old and a two-year-old okay she wasn't even quite two yet she would have been like 18 months old and then my other daughter was, yeah, somewhere around like four or five months old. And I was on a flight by myself from Europe to the United States. And so my 18-month-old or like 20-month-old was next to me in her car seat, which I had brought with me on that trip, which I f- severely regret, by the way. Yes. That's another mm-hmm. logistic tip. Do not bring car seats, people. No. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Just say no. If you really, they've actually got, you can purchase five point harnesses that fit on, on seatbelt buckles that are just literally the straps. If you really want that, people do not use car seats in foreign countries and you are going to kill yourself trying to bring a car seat when you Mm. don't need one. Um, 
I'm half glad I had it for her because it was just me and two two kids and it restrained her and that was helpful. Right. But so it's her in her car seat by the window and then me in the middle seat with a baby in my lap. We're in economy. And so I have the aisle seat and it is a packed flight. I know somebody's going to be sitting next to me. Well, she's four months old. I'm 100% nursing at this point. It's like a 10, 11 hour flight, something like that. I, so I'm watching the people come down the aisle and thinking to myself, somebody is going to sit next to me while I'm nursing a baby and nursing a baby on a flight. There's no privacy. Like this person is going to get, there's no way they're not going to see nipple at some point. There's no way. This is going to happen. Like, I, it doesn't matter how expert I get. This is going to happen. And so I'm just watching all these people come down the aisle and just, you know, you're imagining scenario, like imagining them sitting next to you. I remember one guy came down the aisle, big guy, definitely American, big, looked like a football player. And I just, and probably was in like his mid twenties. And I thought, oh, please not him. You know, oh, gosh. right? Like the last thing you need is some guy from America because Americans are not desensitized to nursing. Yeah. And a guy and he's huge so he's going to be in my space, right? Like he's like muscular this big. Anyway. So finally, this guy boards and sits down next to me and it is a maybe a 60 or 70 year old Nigerian man who had five daughters and First of all, Africans are 110% desensitized to nursing. Public nursing is not a deal. It's not even a deal. He had five daughters himself. Yeah. And they were all grown, but he was just, I was so thankful. He was just the best person to be sitting next to me on that flight. And he held my daughter so I could go to the bathroom a few times, right? things you don't think about like what are you gonna do bring her while you're 18 like bring everybody to the bathroom at the same time yeah oh my stars which I've done I mean I've done the thing where you're like on in the bathroom balancing a baby on your lap (laughs) while you have like a two-year-old in the stall with you and then the turbulence hits (laughs) and well this is in the airport and you also have all of your like carry-on luggage yes like Uh all stuffed into the same stall with you Oh, guys, it's so crazy, but we do it. So that was my, that is like probably the primary memory I have of traveling with small children is just that flight. And you couldn't pay me. You could not pay me. I don't even know. (laughs) Maybe you could pay me a million dollars and I would do it again, but I wouldn't take half a million. (laughs) What about you? I know you have a couple of, because you have, you have traveled internationally with your children. (laughs) I, I know that you have one or two stories that are, you look back and think, we, we did that. We made it. Yeah. And you should know if you're ever flying international and you see an adoptive family, they barely know the kid that's with them. So, yeah, you know, they're just trying everything. They don't know what they want. Yeah, it's 100% survival mode. Oh my gosh. And speaking of other airlines not based in the U.S., we flew Ethiopian Air with my son and those flight attendants angels right angels like they figured out my son was very sick Mm. when we were on our plane ride back like explosive diarrhea sick oh my gosh like the big question was how many diapers do we pack if you go too many like you've just taken up way too much room right and you didn't bring carry-ons you didn't have yeah yeah 
if you go too few, like with explosive yeah. diarrhea, it's just bad. Yeah. Um, so oh my God. there's no like running to the store to get more. Yeah. Um, I said 10. My husband said 12. And we used 11. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we know because now it's a story. He was right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the flight attendants were excellent. They were had figured out what was going on because we kept using the um, the blankets. I would put them over me head to toe. And then my child would sit. My son would sit on top of me because there was no diaper holding it all in. So we had this system We'd get up, go to the bathroom, and, like, with the airplane blanket, throw it, like, we'd have to roll it up, and you're trying to change a horrible diaper with turbulence. Just terrible. Not to mention, this is your first child. You yes. You have massive amounts of diaper changing experience with your yeah. child. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> I, I mean, we were fast. We were getting it done really fast. But, you know, we've gone through, like, five airport airplane blankets, and the flight attendant is, like, in a very short amount of time. Yeah. And the flight attendant was like, I'm, what is going on? And this wonderful Ethiopian lady, and we said, our son is really sick, and, you know, here's what's going on. And obviously, we stick out. I'm white. He's black. We stick out as an adoptive family. Mm-hmm. And they just took over, like... Aww. And one of the things I did not know at the time is that a lot of Ethiopians are lactose intolerant. Uh, And she said, are you giving him milk? And I said, well, yeah. She goes, stop. Like, she brought baby food. She brought other options of drinks. Like, she was just like, okay, come on. And, like, it was like this army of (laughs) flight attendants just, yes, just came in and, like, took over and told us what to do. Mm -hmm. But we did tell our friends that were sitting in front of us. If we get through this 13-hour flight, the rest of parenting is easy. We've got it made if <laughs> we can right. just get through this yes. flight. So, And you did. We and the rest did. of parenting has been easy. <laughs> and then like, oh, yeah, totally easy. Um, but we did put him in his um, like coming home outfit from Chicago to Tulsa. Yeah. Before the flight even took off in Chicago, he had ruined it. And then the flight attendant is like, ma'am, you have to hurry. We have to get off the ground. And I'm like, do you see this kid that just soiled everything? Like, again, I didn't even put it together that yeah. Ethiopians were like, army, come together, help. And this yes. lady's like, ma'am. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I know. <laughs> so it's a, it's a different world. Yeah. Okay, let's jump right into the last questions. What recently have you purchased? Because I know you have some big one to tell us about. Yes. Okay. So what have I purchased? I got myself two pairs of Rothy's, which I'm so excited about. You saw one of them this morning. Yes. A black pair and a pink pair of the pointed toes. Rothy's are 100% recycled. Um, So far, the company has recycled over 11 million water bottles. Amazing. I know. And they take these recycled water bottles and they make the shoes, these shoes out of them. And first of all, it's the most, they're the most comfortable things I've put on my feet out of the box ever. And number two, they're adorable. Number three, they're 100% recycled. And number four, you can machine wash them. This is the thing I'm freaking out about the most because the fact that I, so they're water, you know, you can go 
They can be yeah. in rain. They can be wherever. But when they get kind of dirty and grimy, or for those ladies who maybe um, their feet don't smell so good, and you your shoes get kind of skanky after a while, uh-huh. these are the perfect shoes. I thought that was everybody. I guess it's just a few of us. I don't know. It's me. But sometimes it's I feel like other women aren't that way. Maybe I... But I'm that way for sure. So the fact that I can machine wash these means that they are going to be good for like a year. Yeah. Um, And I do have a $20 off referral code if anybody wants it. We can put it in the show notes if people want to use it. $20 off your first... Yeah. So they are an investment. But I had some money saved up and I didn't know what I wanted to use it for. And I was heading to Peru and I was like, I need some shoes that I can take with me. It's supposed to be kind of rainy while we're there. So... Well, I, since Krista talked about it on the last show, I went and looked them up and, cause I'd never heard of them and they have a great or really cute leopard print shoe. Yeah. So it's on my list now. toes and round toes. So those are the things I just purchased. I also just purchased a couple of, a couple more like undershirts and stuff from Packed Organic, which is one yeah. of my favorite, you know, undershirts. They have they have some super comfy like sweatpants that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, packed organic is great. So, yeah, those are two purchases I've just made. Awesome, love it. Anything you're looking forward to purchasing? Okay, so yes, something I'm looking forward to purchasing. I don't know if I will purchase this. This is something I've put in front of my husband. Remember, you were talking about the Greek islands. Uh-huh, this is yeah. the thing that I've you know just casually said a few times like. Oh. <laughs> Babe. This is a company called Love Verite, and they make custom rings. So okay. years ago, when my husband and I got engaged and married, of course, he bought me wedding ring, engagement ring. I never wear rings. I am not a great lover of rings. And so that's going to be one of the next tattoos we get is wedding ring tattoos. Oh, nice. But I would still like to have a ring that I can wear when I want to. And so there is this company called Love Verite and each of the rings is recycled and they also donate a portion to um, organizations to help um, end child brides. Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, by helping girls stay in school and out of marriage. And so they, I just adore. Their rings are very delicate um, and really, really beautiful. So, and they do like these really delicate little like stacks of rings that are really pretty. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the next kind of big ethical purchase we're looking at is Love Verite custom rings. Awesome. There you go. Love it. Husband, hint, hint, if you're listening. Maybe a great Christmas or when's your anniversary? Right. That already passed, right? Yeah, it did in April, but we'll have it a few more times. Yeah. It's got some time. <laughs> well, Melissa, have a great trip. Thank Thanks you. for letting us treat you like a guest today. Totally. It was a ton of fun. And of course, as always, people are welcome to pop onto our Instagram and give us a follow. And if you have questions about this podcast, let us know and I would um, love to answer or give any more tips if you have specific questions. Awesome. Yeah, there you go. Well, have a great trip. Thank you and I will see you soon.
Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed hearing Melissa talk all about her adventures with her family going around the world and back again and our somewhat awkward and hilarious airplane stories with our kids. We'll be back in a few weeks with a new episode actually talking about different types of ethical purchasing. So in the meantime, check us out on Instagram at Cultivated Fashion, online, cultivated.fashion. And while you're on iTunes today, go ahead and subscribe and leave us a review. 